You're watching the Sports Objective, the podcast for Pirates. Welcome in to the Pirate Football Playback brought to you by, presented by LNK Custom Homes, Kevin Walker, licensed general contractor. Call him at 336-688-8461. Let's bring in the fellas first, starting all the way from LaGrange. Kyle from LaGrange. Barber, what's up, dude? Oh, not much, man. Just uh, still trying to find some offense. <laughs> no doubt. Bubba Rosenbaum in China Grove, how are you? Doing okay. I mean, it. Sun came up this morning, but uh, as far as pirate football is concerned, uh, you know, let's hope better days are ahead because uh, Saturday afternoon, um, it was a beautiful day, but uh, in terms of pirate football, it was uh, left a ton to be desired. Defense played pretty well for the most part, but um, right when you think you know, you can't, really fall much further offensively and uh, we, we managed to Matt Simenzel let's bring him from the great state of Connecticut how are you what's up guys um I'm doing okay um you know I just wanted to start off the show by want to congratulate Charlotte I want to congratulate uh Biff Poggi um and since that man was hired in three months he was able to turn over that roster and put a defense on the field better than anything we've had in probably the last 15 years at East Carolina. So just want to credit Biff Poggi, um, uh, you know, and, and, and Charlotte for beating East Carolina. Well, I think uh, Pirates lose 10 to seven, as you guys know. And um, I think after you have uh, a game like yesterday, it is a, uh, it's going to be a rival, <laughs> a rivalry, um, you know, and uh, we've just got to step it up. I know there's a lot to talk about. We have people, uh, by the way, if you want to give us a call, you can 252-290-0375, 252-290-0375 is the number. If you want to talk tonight, talk Pirate Football, uh, give us a call here on the Pirate Football Playback. And, uh, guys, I, w- I want to get your thoughts. Uh, obviously, we're going to break down the game. But one of the things I was finally happy to hear is uh, in the press conference, Houston taking responsibility. Uh, for That was the first time I've ever heard him uh, do that. What did you guys think about that? I think he's at a point where he has to. Yeah, he, I'm just he, like, I, mean, well, I was wondering got, when it would got, happen. He's got a huge ego, and uh, at some point, you got to put your ego aside and uh, take responsibility. And, um, you know, he was asked about changing uh, offensive play calling, and he said he's not going to point fingers. Uh, but he said it was his responsibility. And, you know, well, well, no shit. I mean, you're the head coach. So, of course, the buck stops with you. Um, it, you know, I, I, I'm, glad he, I'm glad he said it. Um, but he, I think he, he had to. He just lost to Charlotte. He just lost to one in five Charlotte. We were nine and a half point favorites. When that yep. when the spread up and we didn't even score nine points, um, right. the worst offense 
in East Carolina football history, and that's not that's not exaggeration or satire or, or for for entertainment purposes. It's the truth. The worst offense in in at least the modern history of East Carolina football, and um, one of the worst offenses I've ever seen in my life. I, I just so yeah, he's got to take responsibility. I mean, is he, is he going to put it on Donnie? Well, he hired Donnie. Is he going to put it on the O line coach? He hired the O line coach. Um, is he going to put it on the players? Those are his players. He recruited them. So, uh, at the end of the day, the buck stops with him. So, yeah, he better take responsibility. What did you guys, Bubba, Matt, what did you think about that? I was finally surprised. I thought it should have been a few games ago. Um, but I was surprised to hear him actually. It's, it's the right thing to do. I'm not complaining that he did it. I'm saying I was shocked that he actually said it. I'm kind of shocked, too, because I've been waiting for that for a long time. Yeah. And, you know, it seems like every week it's – it's the same broken record. We're going to fix it. You know, we've prepared. We practice hard. The kids need to do better. They need to make plays. Um, it's the same thing. And at some point when you're the head coach, and I'm not saying Mike Houston doesn't do this behind closed doors. Maybe he does. But at some point when you stand on that podium in front of the your fans – you have to take responsibility. Hey, you know, this is on me. I'm the head coach. I'm the CEO of this program. The buck stops with me. And you have to take responsibility. And uh, right now, you know, right now it's just not good enough. It's, you know, to be in this situation when you're a fifth-year head coach, um, to be in a spot where you're losing at home to Charlotte. Homecoming. Um, I, I Charlotte, we're talking about Charlotte. This is a disaster. Mm -hmm. It's embarrassing. I'm actually embarrassed for the program. Um, and, you know, but I'll tell you this, guys, and then I'll let Bubba, I know Bubba's waiting to chime in on this, but, you know, it, it was an inept game plan yesterday, offensively, obviously, but also saw some things up front from the offensive line that really disturbed me. Um, what I saw was a lack of effort from a few guys. I saw a lack of toughness from a few guys. I actually saw one guy, and I, I don't call people's names out in certain situations like this, but they want to get paid now, uh, Matt. I'd call them out. Yeah, well, I'll just say I saw one guy on that line who I didn't think wanted to hit anybody, and. Uh, if you're if you're a member of that offensive line right now, you got to look yourself in the mirror because you're getting manhandled every week. It's embarrassing. I was, I was going to ask you and Bubba about that, Matt. Let's go to. Um, we'll come back to that, Bubba. What did you think about Mike Houston saying uh, taking responsibility for the first time? I wasn't surprised. Um, you know, I, I really felt to a certain extent uh, that yesterday's game was a bit of a crossroads for the program. Yep. Um, in terms of just – and that was one that we absolutely had to have, in, in my opinion. Agreed. And uh, to – I mean, you look at it. If, if we hadn't, I know we'll dive more into the details of the game um, as the show goes on, but if they don't muff that punt there with about 13 minutes to go in the game, we quite possibly get shut out. And, uh, you know, we you talk about the offensive line, Matt, we get out rushed 184 to 39 uh, and, that, and that's embarrassing uh, and it and, starts with offensive and, line you're right 
and Charlotte has a heck of a defensive line and a very good, a very respectable defense. I'm not saying that, but that's uh, that's just inexcusable. It's, it's so pathetic. And uh, give Biff Pogey and his staff credit. Uh, they utilized Jalen Jones uh, terrifically. Uh, they, you know, they had um, had an excellent game plan as far as running option. Uh, I think he had 26 or 27 rushing attempts for about 127 yards. And uh, it certainly was not a thing of beauty at times. They put it on the ground three or four times. There were a couple where Jalen should have kept it, and he pitched it. And fortunately for, for them, they were able to, to recover. But um, and, and one time it did benefit the Pirates, even though they did not recover the fumble. Uh, it allowed us to stop them late in the game and give us a chance to, to tie it, uh, which we were unable to do. But, uh, but yeah, it's quite the humbling performance yesterday and just a shame that, uh, that the defense's effort um, – Although there's certainly things to, to clean up there as well. When you give up 10 points, you expect to be able to win the football game. One thing I didn't understand is the game plan yesterday. Clearly, we, we were scared of Charlotte's run defense. So we, we very few rush attempts. Even though it seems like we had a lot of rush attempts, it was because we had so many short passes. So your, your, your game plan is to go with the short passing game. Okay, uh, I get it. And, and you hope to maybe catch them, you know, because that's what they're susceptible to is big plays in the passing game. So you're you're hoping to catch them with some yak yards or something over the top every once in a while. So your plan is to throw the ball. So you start the running quarterback. Uh, it makes perfect sense to me. I, I, I don't get that. that. That is something that boggles my mind. And <clears throat> I was going to ask you that very question, guys. I'm glad you brought that up, Kyle. Is, did you notice, uh, and I'm not anti-Garcia by any stretch of imagination, but did you guys notice that when Flynn came in, there was a huge spark um, as soon uh, as he came in? Not a huge spark, running. but not a huge spark. But Well, I mean, compared to, <laughs> compared to it was absolutely, it felt like nothing. Yeah. Like, it felt well, like a I little mean, bit of a life of offense is what I'm saying. What, what Garcia is comfortable doing is what Charlotte did with their quarterback. That's, we're, we're too stupid. And yet we to didn't that. see it a single play. But that's what I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you guys when they were talking about the speed option, Jalen. I said, that's what we said to do with Mason Garcia. Why are we doing that? I said it a month ago. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, it's, 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 I don't know. It's a good question. Um, lack of creativity. Um, and look, here's the worst part about yesterday to me is they won that game. Yes. Part, well, part of it was talent with their defensive line. Um, but also part of it was game plan. Their game plan, while they didn't score very many points, their game plan on offense was very effective because yep. what they did Control was, the utilize, it was utilize their quarterback and his strengths to 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 dominate um, the clock. They, they held the ball for 40-some minutes. We held it for like 18, 19 minutes. I mean, you can't win a game like that. It, it's amazing we only lost by three. That's how bad yep. their offense is, and, and our defense is pretty good. Uh, it, it, that was a pathetic performance yesterday. That really offensively is – Bubba, Matt, have y'all seen a worse performance offensively? I know, Matt, you were you, – you, you, Syracuse game maybe, 97? I, I don't NC, know. NC State 2018 because that that year we were – you yeah. know, Oh, yeah. That, that game, uh, a lot of people probably uh, forget that it was even played just because of the circumstances. Scotty Moe had already been fired. Yeah. 
David Blackwell, you know, had, had to take over as interim coach, and uh, it was a well, lame, also, du- we were, lame duck situation. But um, and we were playing a pretty good NC State team. We weren't playing a one and five Charlotte team, right? And you talk about Charlotte's game plan, and they they knew we were stout um, between the tackles, and you know that um, we have a very good run defense. Uh, so they they knew. Um, if they were going to run the football, and then they, they needed to start in Jalen Jones at quarterback, um, as as opposed to Trexler Ivy, and uh, and tack the perimeter, and um, did, they did so successfully, obviously, and then and they were also very effective utilizing their tight ends and play action passes. Um, he did commit a stupid penalty or two, um, personal fouls. And as a team, they had, I want to say, nine penalties for 90 yards. Correct. So there are nine penalties for 90 yards. And then the uh, and then the muff punt, those two things, uh, um, you know, in addition to another thing or two, uh, largely kept us in the game where we had a chance to tie it uh, in the final 30 or 40 seconds, despite being outgained what, by – a little over 200 yards. Another thing, you talk about the last few seconds of the game, Bubba, um, and I'll ask uh, all y'all this. Um, you, you, we talked about it last night, Bubba. You, you, you look at last year against NC State, for example, where we had an experienced you know, fifth-year quarterback in a situation against NC State. Keith Mitchell. Play, yep, Keith <laughs> Mitchell, where we could play for the touchdown and instead we played for the field goal. Well, yesterday we don't have offense worth a worth a damn. We can barely move the ball, and in the situation where it feel, look, Charlotte was pissing down their leg at the end of that game. I I was right behind their bench. They were they were scared to death, nervous. That was a situation we should have been playing for the field goal, and you, you get it in you know I think we were at the twenty six yard line, twenty seven yard we, line. We were first first and ten at the at the Charlotte twenty nine, twenty nine, and. I went back and, and looked at it again last night. Uh, I don't know how I managed to stomach it, but but I did. I was curious to see exactly how we how we approached it. Um, so we were in uh, had two receivers split out to each side, a two by two set, and Alex got some pressure off the left side and our, our left tackle uh, didn't didn't exactly do his job and uh, and that which was a trend uh, throughout the day and you know i know at times in the game we we had provided some help with the running back uh chip in there uh for whatever reason we did not um in that situation and unfortunately we took a 10-yard loss on a sack there uh and alex had rolled to his right so i, I was hoping that he was going to throw the ball yeah, out he of had bounds yeah, I, I, I figured and that's one of those things, easier said than done, uh, especially when you haven't been in that situation a lot. But I was hoping he's going to be able to get the ball out of bounds and avoid that 10-yard loss uh, because, you know, based on you know how we had approached it all game and uh, what we were seeing right there, they were not press coverage on the Charlotte corners, at least, at least on one side was at least six, seven yards off, I want to say. And, you know, we had thrown underneath, you know, keep doing that and make it where it's uh, a much more manageable field goal. I know we had doinked the, the one off the right upright early in the game from 24 yards. 
but that was count that was Andrew Conrad's first miss inside of 40 yards this year if I'm not mistaken that's correct. so so just uh I don't, I don't understand do I don't understand when pass when pass pro had been such an issue no. uh, this season and uh, specifically yesterday why are we throwing four verticals uh, and uh, especially not having a running back helping there with the left tackle no, to, you ta- wanted, to Alex's you wanted, blind side. You wanted them to take shots, but not in that situation because we're at home. And you, to me, you set up the short field goal there. The crowd would have went nuts if we, had we hit the short field goal. Yep. Charlotte was already pissing down their legs. We'd have won the game in overtime, I think, just based on Charlotte collapsing and the crowd going crazy. But we, we didn't give ourselves that opportunity. I, just, I don't know, man. So many it, it, We are so bad offensively. It's just it's it's beyond pathetic. It is unexcusable to be this bad. Matt, what were, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just it's par for the course with with this system we have in place and this game plan. <clears throat> you know, the the, the the system, this this offensive system we have, it it just has zero creativity. You know, it's really interesting because last week we came on this show. And we and like Dave mentioned earlier, we highlighted three or four things that we think could help, right? And we specifically talked about that speed option, which we ran a few times last week. You think Charlotte was watching our show? Yeah. And what that does <laughs> is it gets you out. It gets you out on the perimeter. It gets you away. You can't run that. We can't run the ball up the middle. We can't do it. We're not capable of it. But at least try to get yourself on the perimeter where you can make a play. And then guess what we do after we showed it two or three times last week, we don't go to it again. We don't have any passing patterns in the middle of the field. We don't have crossing routes. We can't execute a four-yard throw. You know, there was one play yesterday, which Bubba actually called it, and and it was a really good call on Bubba's part when we got down in the red zone and Mason Garcia rolls to his right. He's got Jalen Johnson open. Okay, this was probably – I think this was what third and four, Bubba. Yeah, I believe that's correct. I th- we were third and uh, third and goal. Maybe, maybe it was was it third and goal with the uh, the seven or something like that. Yeah, it was something like that. Because yeah. that was when we missed the field goal. Yeah, yeah, and, and so so and would have been a touchdown. It, it would have been, and and but Mason just he doesn't seem capable of making these throws and. You know, that's the really unfortunate part because even we're we're at the point where even in the rare instance where we dial up a, a good play that actually can work, then we don't block it. Or in this case, we can't make a five yard throw or we can't catch it. I mean, it is a host of problems. It's ridiculous. And I, I don't know how how you have a quarterback in your system for four years, three years, however the hell long it's been, and you, you have him there, you don't recognize that he can't do it at this level when we won't say who, but other people that are close to the program told us before the season in private that he could not do it at this level. And he didn't have it between the years. And I don't know how the staff couldn't figure it out when other people saw it and could. And um, I uh, – uh, you know, and I'm not knocking Mason. We're just being honest. And, um, you know, Flynn ain't the answer either, but Flynn gives us the best chance to win. 
I, I said last week I thought we'd seen Flynn's ceiling, and I do think we've seen Flynn's ceiling, but I don't think we're ever going to see Mason's ceiling because he just will not allow himself to be successful. He he is he, he's either not been coached up enough, or he just just mentally just cannot do it one or the other. But I, I don't think. I will be surprised if we see Mason at the quarterback position again this year. Um, at this point, I would probably start Flynn and then start playing Raheem Jeter because you need to see if Raheem can do it. It can't possibly be any worse. I mean, how could he, we possibly be any worse on offense? How is it possible? He looked good in Gardner-Webb. I mean, it was it was the last few minutes, but he looked – I thought he – I mean, he was a lot more athletic. I uh, heard he was athletic, but he was a lot taller, bigger than I imagined. So – it really doesn't matter. It can't be any worse. You, you, your, your theory is you might ruin him um, with this with this horrible offense. You, quarterbacks can be ruined. Doug Martin, Steve Logan will tell you that. Um, so that would be the only negative to playing him. But besides that, I, I don't I don't see any reason why you wouldn't play him. So would you? Uh, so right now we're at game eight coming up, and he has game ten, eleven, and twelve. He can. And I wouldn't worry about red shirts. In transfer portal age, and that would be. And with this, with this shit show, the the least of my concerns would be worried about a red shirt. He definitely has talent, don't you guys, Bubba and Matt? Don't you think? Mason, we're, we're talking about Raheem. Raheem, Raheem Jeter. Raheem Jeter. I mean, the, the limited action I saw of him, he looked like a fluid athlete to me. Like he looks like he runs well. Didn't. Yeah. You know, I saw. I think we saw like one or two passing attempts, um, but I, I, I agree. There's nothing to lose at this point. To the point where, guys, I'll even take it a step further. Um, I might try to identify my best athlete on the team, even mm-hmm. if it's a defensive player. Maybe you played some quarterback in high school. Super bad. And, and I might try to do what Charlotte did yesterday, where I literally just run option with with my best athlete. Like if, for example. You know, Dwayne Harris, right? Right. It, you know, you only get him once in a generation, but if you have a guy that was a high school quarterback right. that's a great athlete, you almost want to roll with that because at this point you're you're running out of options fast. And um, the O-line, again, I'm going to repeat this yesterday. I saw guys on that O-line yesterday that looked like they didn't want to play football. Um, the left tackle looked like he was stuck in mud. His performance on some of those plays yesterday was embarrassing. Um, so these guys need to look themselves in the mirror and really figure it out. If you don't want to play football, let's find somebody who does. And yeah. I'd rather, I'd rather, I'd rather lose with guys who actually want to be out there than guys who are just literally stuck in mud and don't want to get physical and don't want to get tough and don't want to block it. Yeah, so but still, Mister Miller, it's still to me. It all comes back to the head coach because who recruited those offensive linemen? They didn't come here on their own. That's right. So. And I don't think I, – I I think one of the problems with Mike Houston is he really struggles to evaluate offensive linemen. I don't, I think, think, he, I don't think he can evaluate offensive linemen. I don't think he can evaluate offensive talent very good, period. Um, or to, or at least development, develop it uh, one or the other or both. Um you know, it's it's a bounty of problems, and um, there's no fixing it this year. There, there's no fixing it this year. It's 
there's no, well, we're going to turn the corner. Look, if the corner, if the corner ain't been turned now, it ain't going to get turned. You, you don't go from barely being able to move the ball and, to suddenly being able to score 21 to 28 points a game, which is a very average offense. I mean, I've never seen anything like this. I mean, I really haven't. Speaking of Dwayne Harris, um, it was great to see 17 in attendance yesterday, as well as a lot of other pirate greats, uh, you know, be it uh, several members of the 83 team, Rod Coleman, um, et cetera, uh, for, for homecoming and Hall of, Hall of Fame weekend. So uh, I think Mike Houston knows every one of them an apology. I would have uh, I would have told 17 to go suit up at halftime. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, think, I think Dwayne Harris, the 83 team, um, Rod Coleman, I think, they all, I, think they all, I think they all deserve an apology for that performance yesterday. I, I uh, and what we had 49 yards of offense at 49 yards of offense at halftime. Uh, some some guys around me, you know, who had, who had played back and uh, they were teammates of Matt. You know, they were they were looking at the scoreboard. Saw we had 35 yards halfway through the second quarter, and uh, one of them said my name and said, "Hey." Do you think we'll have 50 yards at halftime? I said, I do, but not by much. Uh, I thought we'd probably have 75 to 100 yards. Well, we finished with 49. So, 49 yards. It's just, it's just unbelievable. It's just <laughs> yep. unbelievable. 49 yards of offense and a half. It is just unbelievably bad. I mean, this is unexcusable. Unexcusable. It's unexcusable in year one. It's, it's really unexcusable. These are all his players he recruited all these players he brought them all here he put the staff together and it and, and, and we're this bad and it's because we didn't prepare now i have a conspiracy theory that i've said many times and i'll say it again i truthfully believe that he didn't think he was going to be here in year five he thought last year he was going to win nine or ten games maybe 11 get an sec or an acc job and it didn't happen. So I don't think he prepared for this year as well as he would have had he planned to be here for the long run. He's never been anywhere for a year five. Furthermore than that, this is the first place he's been for a year four. You know, he, he, I've said it, and I'll keep saying it. He was at Lenore Ryan for two years. He was at, or for three years. He was at the Citadel for two years. And he was at James Madison for three years. He He's never had a program where he's built from scratch where they were all his players. This is the first time and we're seeing the product on the field. Good defense, horrible offense. All right, well, we, so would you get – is there an offensive coordinator out there right now, even a Shane Montgomery that's on the staff as an analyst, that you guys – because Donnie's not going to – definitely won't be back next year. Uh, do you guys see uh, somebody out there that you would bring in? You mean immediately, or are you talking about for next year? For 24. Oh, yeah, I would bring in Kendall Brawls uh, if I was going to bring in OC, but I'd make him head coach. Uh, you know, so we were, we've talked about this a lot, and I think what you have to have at East Carolina is you have to have an offensive system that's, that's somewhat unique. Um, you know, when Lincoln Riley was successful here, it was up-tempo, it was high-octane, it was wide splits, um, we're going to go fast and we're going to be aggressive. You know, mm-hmm. I I think we need to find a system almost like, you know, you look at what Coastal did when, when Chadwell right. was there. 
essentially running an option scheme from the pistol with passing concepts off of that. That's that's a unique offense that's tough for people to prepare for in one week, you know, similar to what you see with like a Navy, for example, right? Um, you look at App State, they have a system in place, even though yesterday it didn't look so great, but there's a history there. There's a track record where they run that outside zone stretch. They'll hit you with play action off of that. They have good quarterbacks. I think what I like to do is find a system that I think is going to work with East Carolina and then identify the coach that can run that system. And I think that's what it's going to take. I think we're going to have to find – because this, what we have right now, a power running game is what Mike Houston wants. It's not going to be successful here. We don't get the horses up front. We don't get the offensive linemen. Um, right. We just don't. So you have to find something that's going to cause some confusion. It's going to look a little different. It's going to bring a unique element to it. Um, so that's kind of what that's what I'm looking for. You know, I'm with you. I'm with you, man. I, I, I just don't. You know, I, I'm. I, we'll be real as we've been discussing the text message. You know, we we're talking about replacing Donnie. You know, I, I've seen this song and dance at many programs, many, 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 many programs, where uh, the coach has. A horrible season. Now this is going to be this is going to be record horrible. This is going to be one in eleven in all likelihood. And, and I've seen it where you go and you make all these changes on staff. You you, you, you get a new OC, you get a new line coach, you, you get a new strength coach, and it don't work. Most of the time, when very few times in, in the history of college football, has a coach had a one in eleven, two in ten type season. You know, this far into his tenure, and then ends up turning it around. Normally, they'll make all those changes, and the following year, it'll be another losing season. Because here's here's the problem. You know, some people want to say, well, can we afford to fire Mike, and who would we get as head coach? Well, I want to get a better question for you. Who in the hell is going to be the offensive coordinator here when you know Mike Houston's on the hot seat? You know after this year, going 1-11, which is probably going to happen, let's say we do go 1-11 and we keep him. So he, he's trying to hire an OC after 1-11 season. And so everybody knows that he's trying to hire that essentially this man's playing paying playing for his job, coaching for his job. So you're gonna leave a job somewhere where you've got stability and um come here for a job that may be a one and done. Uh, you know, you, you leave to become OC here, kinda like David Blackwell when he left Jacksonville State to become DC here under uh under Montgomery. He took a gamble and it didn't, you know, it didn't pay off. He got fired after one year. So, but you could have some a younger guy that has like a Kendall Browse, somebody that has OC well, experience. Kendall Browse ain't coming here unless it's head coach. Um, Kendall Browse is off as a coordinator at Arkansas, at Arkansas, not Arkansas State. So, you know, that's not happening. Um, yeah, you, you, it's what you're going to have to do. If we keep him, we're going to have to hire a, a OC from the FCS ranks um, with some creativity because there ain't going to be no FBS offensive coordinators that are going to leave a job to come here after a one and eleven season, it's just not going to happen. So lame uh, duck. it's a lame duck position. Exactly. So yeah. you're going to have to. He's going to have to find someone, and 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 that's where his look. Honestly, that's where his experience is. So that's probably where he would look anyway. So, um, you know, that's what he's going to have to do is hire if he if he if he survives. And I'm I, I'm we go one and eleven. I'll be shocked if he's still here. But if he is, um, he needs to hire an OC from wherever he can get him from. If, if Matt, like you said, if he wants to be a run-based offense, 
he needs to be creative with it. He needs to hire somebody that runs some 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 kind of creative you know, like option from the pistol, like you're talking about. Um, or, you know, I don't know. Um, is Chadwell his own OC at Liberty, or does he have an OC? Do you, is I'm honestly not sure, uh, but I do know that Liberty improved to seven and zero yesterday with a 45 point performance against Middle Tennessee, r- running for 401 yards. Yeah, it was actually Wednesday, but who's counting? That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. I remember. I remember. Uh, I remember watching it. Thank you for that correction. But yes, the last time out, they uh, improved to seven and zero with four hundred and one rushing yards and uh, over five hundred and fifty yards of total offense. Yeah. So if, if Chadwell, you know, if he has an OC, uh, but would that OC leave Liberty to come here? I mean, Liberty's a very stable job. So uh, I would I would look at the if Houston survives, he's going to have to look at the FCS ranks and find a creative OC. And if he wants to be run first, he's, it needs to be like Matt said, very creative. Um, I, I um, you know, I, I don't know. He's, he, I, I don't know. You know, that's going to be a challenge for Mike is to is to find somebody in this situation if 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 indeed he does survive. Also of note. The Pirates go to Lynchburg next year to take on the Flames. Thank you for reminding me of that, Bubba. Well, uh, we have a call, guys. Dick from Richmond. So let's go there. Dick, are you there? Dave, do you have yourself muted? If you do, we can't hear Dick. No, I don't. That's what I'm trying to. Let's see. Hang on one second, well, while we're figuring that out, guys, you know, I'm just going to say I, you know, I'll address the elephant in the room in terms of Mike Houston's future. Um, you know, personally, I, I'm ready for a change. I, uh, I, I, I did not ex- anticipate saying that prior to the season, but the fact that we came into this season without addressing the quarterback situation, um, we didn't take a quarterback from the portal because we were too afraid that we might offend Mason. Um, huge tactical mistake. That is a huge tactical mistake. Tactical mistake. Um, you know, we, we didn't, in my opinion, you know, I, and I know the kicking game has been okay this year from a field goal kicking perspective, but I had no confidence that we can uh, kick a game winner. I thought we could have addressed the kicking situation. We took a kicker from VMI and then um, really didn't give him much of a shot, and he transferred out of here before the season started. Exactly, exactly. Uh, another another tactical error, and man, he was all know. and he was all Big South, SoCon, wherever the hell the, the VMI is playing these days. Yeah, as far as that's concerned, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that we didn't give him a chance. Uh, I, I, from my understanding, you know, he made that decision to leave um, based on where he where he was on the depth chart. Yeah, but sometimes kids are gamers, and I'd like to say, like I'll give you an example. I think Camaro Edmonds is a gamer. Um, he is what, really good. What I see, what I see out of Camaro Edmonds, oh, every time I see him touch the ball, the only logical explanation I can have why he doesn't touch the ball more is because he doesn't perform well in practice. And maybe I'm wrong on that. Uh, but my guess is he's a gamer because he seems to play with a lot of passion 
Mm-hmm. You just don't, you just don't play with that kind of passion at practice. That comes out of games. Patrick Pinckney was like that. Patrick Pinckney would have never seen the field if it wasn't for injuries, and then he ended up starting for two years. And his best performances were always in big games: Virginia Tech, West Virginia, North Carolina conference championship games. And I think Edmonds is most all likelihood, without being at practice, my guess is he's a gamer. You know, I really I like this run. My kicker could have been the same way. Is my point. Yeah, that run yesterday that you referenced, Dave, that's what he got popped at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. And it looked like it was going to be no gain. Uh, you know, he breaks that tackle. And uh, as the uh, 49er defender did not wrap up and ends up, it looked like he was a, not far from it being uh, even more than a 17-yard gain. Yeah, he was close. And, 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 you know, he was one of two guys that had 17 yards yesterday. Um as we mentioned, um, the Pirates ran for just 39, just dismal on the ground. When you see a guy like that with an O-line that's struggling that can make yardage on his own, can you please explain to me, Bubba, Matt, why the hell he's not playing more? Especially when you have trouble with – Wish uh, I could. Especially the running back position when we know that there's potential uh, of injuries. Pop McKay hasn't even played. Uh, then you've had uh, – you know, Gerald got, Green got injured. Gerald Green got injured. You have uh, Rajay who's coming off uh, ACL from last year. I mean, there's all, you know, and you have Marlon Gunn that was banged up. JBM Bond. Bond, Bond is out. So, Bond uh, is out. Like, uh, he he should be back. Uh, hopefully by this week we'll see. But he he's day-to-day. But I, I they're trying to make sure he doesn't have a season-ending injury with a hamstring injury. Right, guys? A hammy? Um. I haven't heard in the last few days, but that's the last I'd heard was maybe Tuesday or Wednesday. We were talking about that. It was day to day. So if we can ever get him back, um, I love Marlon Gunn. Uh, the the running back room we've got, we're we're in great shape. We just need to work on definitely uh, first and foremost, uh, Matt. We've talked about it, agnosium. Thought about that earlier to this afternoon about the O line. Uh, we've got to go to the transfer portal and put out a lot of bucks and get those guys. Uh, a suitcase in the uh, grocery store parking lot is fine with me. No doubt. And, you know, so we're we're talking about the running backs here. And, you know, I, I, I don't think we're – it's another issue I have with this staff. I don't think we're playing our best running back right now nearly enough. Um, Raj, I love Raji. I think he's outstanding in short yardage and goal line. Um, I think he's coming off that ACL and he's lacking the burst we've seen from him in the past. And I think Marlon Gunn's kind of been brushed to the side. I, I don't understand that. I think he's, he's looked awesome. really effective the last few weeks when he's running in between the tackles. He's running hard. Um, I'm ready to give some other guys a chance there, you know, and it, it's just it's 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 it, a lot of things right now you're seeing don't make much sense. And um, I think the coaching staff right now is just as confused as anybody else. I don't think they have the answers, um, you know. And, and I'll just say this again, and not and, and not to sound like a broken record, but just think about where Charlotte was at the end of their season last year. All right, mm-hmm. they literally they brought in a new coach. Okay, um, they turned over their entire roster. They hit the portal hard. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he had like what three months to basically put together a roster. Yep. This guy had three months to put together a roster. All right. And he comes into Dowdy Ficklin Stadium and beats our ass. That is humiliating. 
you can't <laughs> you cannot let that happen if you're Mike Houston. You can't do it. You know, he's got to take a – I just can't believe – I cannot believe we're in this situation. Uh, it, 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 me and Bubba talked about it, Matt, and we compared it to the A&T game. Well, the A&T game was an all-time low point. Charlotte's right there with it. But the difference between this and the A&T game, to me, you know, while you can say the A&T game's worse because it's FCS, that was the team that had, you know, went undefeated, had won the HBCU National Championship, et cetera, et cetera. And also, you knew it was done. You knew that was it for Montgomery. Um, and you had Carolina the following week to make you feel better, and we beat them. There's no feel better for this. This is this is year five. Charlotte coming in here and losing to them is embarrassing. Because it, and another thing, the reason it hurts so much is A&T ain't never going to beat East Carolina and turn that into beating us in recruiting. Or this is a stepping stone for Charlotte. They're in the same conference with us now. They're expanding their stadium, and now they can point and say, "Hey, we just beat those guys. Come play for me, not them." So it was a horrible loss. One of the worst. Pro- one of the worst. One of the worst losses in program history. Um, it, it, this, this, this. I think this loss has ramifications um, on the program, and uh, it's it's bad. It's bad to, to let that happen yesterday. Uh, was pathetic. It was it was beyond pathetic, and to me, it's the kind of thing that um, if you don't follow it up with some good performances, I don't see how you survive it. I mean, um, and people will cite money, um, but I, you know, I can tell you, um, in the money situation. If people actually break it down and think about it, it isn't as dire as people think it is. Um, so we'll see. We'll, we'll know by the end of the year if those decisions are going to have to be made. Um, because one and eleven, and this would be we went one and eleven one hundred time. It was under John Thompson, and JT had an FBS win, not an FCS win. He beat Army, and that schedule that year was brutal, brutal. Miami, Miami North Carolina, um, West Virginia, West Virginia, uh, Louisville. When Louisville was, you know, well, Louisville's good again, but you know, the first time around when Louisville was really good. Uh, you know, Southern Miss when they were still Southern Miss, um, it, it was, it was you know. And so this this is, and people have pointed to Montgomery. Said, well, Montgomery always won three games, and we are as bad now as we were under Montgomery. It's just different. We're bad on offense versus defense, so the scores don't get out of hand as bad. But we are just as bad of a football team. It, it's just we were we were horrible on defense under Montgomery. We're now we're horrible on offense under Houston. So the scores are closer, but the performances are just as bad. And really, this schedule's been easy. Marshall and App are, la- are, are, are last and next to last in the Sun Belt East, by the way. Um, they, they both lost this weekend. They've lost a couple in a row. Um, App almost lost to Monroe. Um, yeah, they, I think they've had five games essentially come down to the final minute or overtime yeah. Uh, the the loss in North Carolina um, yesterday against Old Dominion. Um, then you referenced uh, the last minute win um, that they had against ULM, and so in those games they are one and four. Um, lost a heartbreaker on a last second field goal to Coastal Carolina. Yeah, and, and uh, Marshall has also uh, been struggling ever since they beat Virginia Tech. They've been going backwards. So um, you look at the teams we played, uh, you know, Rice. Rice may be the anomaly. Um, you know, um, they had one bad performance against UConn, but they're actually not a bad team. They played pretty well before and after our game. So, 
Kyle, we have a comment from Facebook from uh, from James. Uh, from, yeah, we'll uh, funny. Let's do from that. Hattiesburg. Funny, baby. He said, "He said, bring bring y'all's ass to the Sun Belt, baby." I think he was trying to say bring y'all's ass to the Sun Belt, but he said, "Being y'all's ass to the Sun Belt." Uh, I guess you are. I guess you. Are. Maybe that's what he meant. Actually, um, I, maybe I'm not sure he meant to say bring y'all's ass to the Sun Belt, uh, Bubba. I think he maybe meant to say being y'all's ass in the Sun Belt, meaning Southern. No, he said Miss. bring. He said bring. No, he said being. Put it back. He on the changed track. it. He changed oh. it. Well, he it, has... either way, it's applicable because Southern Miss is being us in the Sun Belt. That's exactly James. That's my buddy James. He's a Southern Miss fan, and uh, he's right. Southern Miss is being East Carolina. He, he said it by accident, but he's correct. Southern Miss is being East Carolina in the Sun Belt because they they suck too. All right, we have. Uh, let's try to get back Dick from uh, Richmond. Let's try that again. Uh, Dick, are you there? Ladies and gentlemen, the phone system does not appear to be working correctly tonight. Uh, you know, uh, if you want to try calling in, Bubba, give that number again. Maybe it's something on Dick's end. Maybe we can try a different caller. Yeah, Dick, uh, call back because for some reason I don't know why it's. I've got everything. I have everything hooked up. So two five two two nine zero zero three seven five two five two two nine zero zero three seven five. If you want to try to call in, um, we'll see. If can we you can hear us, Dick? Working. All right, keep uh, – we'll try you back uh, – try us back in a few minutes, Dick. All right. So, yeah, one thing I'd love to hear from the people that are, you know, tuning in tonight, you know, getting a lot of comments, I, I would love to hear people's opinion on, you know, should we make a new move at, at head coach? I mean, I, I would love to get a – you know, get get a feel for what everybody's thinking out there. If it's time, if this has run its course and it's time for a new head coach or everybody I've talked to, um, the only people that are saying otherwise is because financials, but everybody else is, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty angry, fed up. And, um, this is a bigger problem than I think. Um, I think most people realize it. I think some people realize how bad, I mean, this is, we are, we are, it is, beyond horrible so yeah but i'd like to get our listeners comments well chuck thia chimes in saying uh, at the end of the day does houston come back in 2024 i think i mean that depends on we'll see how the the final five games play out but based on what we've seen especially you know yesterday um but if one and eleven no but yeah think. but yeah if we're if we're one and eleven oh and eleven against the fbs competition Good luck trying to sell season tickets. Um, you know, this year, um, unfortunately, we sold, uh, you know, 900,000 less season tickets than we did in 2022. And uh, that was coming off an eight-win season and a, and a bowl win. So uh, good luck trying to sell season tickets should it play out that way where we don't win another football game. But uh, Dave – Okay, I thought Dave had the caller. No, Go we ahead, Dave. Ready. I was just going to say we owe uh, Coach Houston, unless we find some probable cause like they did at Michigan State, we owe him uh, $4.2 million. Then we have to pay another coach. Um, okay, well. Uh, I, no, it, listen, hold on just a second. So everybody's talking about the season tickets. Well, first of all, let's go back to the season tickets. The season ticket model 
is a bad model to begin with. We need to be doing the naming rights for the stadium. There's a whole bunch of stuff that we need to do to create revenue. So to rely on that, first of all, is a terrible I think we've mistake. tried to, and we just can't get a big enough corporate sponsor to get the naming rights. No, they're what I was told is Dowdy, um, Ron Dowdy. Oh, I've heard he has lifetime, lifetime naming rights, but you know, we got to do something. You can buy somebody out, he, give him the money he gave back if we get more money from somebody else. But yeah, the the all right, the the the, the buyout, if, if if Houston's here next year, he makes two point, he makes he makes 2.3 million. If we fire him, he makes 1.4 million. So you, you pay him 1.4 million. And that's if there's no, and I cannot get an answer. I, I'm, I messaged Scott Shook, and uh, he didn't message me back. I, um, I'm trying to get an answer from somebody if there's a buyout, if there is a an offset clause in Houston's contract. There was an offset clause in Montgomery's contract. There was an offset clause in Ruffin McNeil's contract. And I'm trying to find out if there's an offset clause in Mike Houston's contract. If you don't know what an offset clause is, that means if he gets another job somewhere else, whatever he's making offsets what we owe it. Okay, but let's pretend there's not, and we owe him 1.4 million. Well, if we fire him, then that's what we owe him. If we keep him, we pay him 2.3. So there's a $900,000 difference. Well, there's a lot of good hit coaches you can get from a million to a million and a half dollars for their initial contract. So you're talking about a difference of a few hundred thousand dollars if you bring in somebody else versus keeping him. You're not going to pay a new hit coach coming in here 200 what well, you're paying Mike Houston. Mike Houston is the third highest paid coach in all of the American Conference. But you want to win, right? What we're paying. Yeah, but you, don't, you, at you know the what? American you, level at the American you know level. What, you know what? You know what the base salary is for for uh, Tom Herman? $750,000. Yeah. Right, at FAU. You, you know what? You know what? You know what Rich Rodriguez is making at Jacksonville State? His entire contract, $800,000. I can keep right. going. I can keep going. Kendall Browse, the offensive coordinator at Arkansas, would come here in a minute for the opportunity. He's actually Actually, OC at TCU now. Kendall? Yes, because um, nonetheless, he wants the opportunity to be a head coach. And I had forgotten that move, and I, I looked it up just out of curiosity uh, and because I wasn't 100% sure myself. And Arkansas, I guess first-year coordinator, um, and, the, and um, they had to make a change there today. Yeah, well, Kendall, Kendall is OC at TCU, nonetheless. Um, nobody's going to hire him to be a head coach because his name is stained. So he, he would jump at the opportunity. I could keep going for head coaches that we could get for a million to a million and a half dollars. So we can make it work financially. Um, you know, it, it, that to me, it, that has been way over fault. Um, so, yeah, you can make that work. You're 100% right. And it was a uh... – you know, a great post on uh, Hoist the Colors last night. Carolina's Pirate posted this. Um, I've copied it. And, and we talked about that. And he, and he did a great job kind of breaking this down and that it's really not – it's almost a non-issue, you know, the yep. situation with with Mike Houston and the contract. And, and you just did a really good job breaking that down. But, um, you know, I just go back to, you know, for me personally – this system is not going to work at East Carolina. Last year, we had the best talent we've had in many, many years. Okay. And we couldn't come close to winning the conference. Um, we don't get the linemen for this system. And then on top of that, the, the overall mentality, conservative mentality um, that we've seen from Mike Houston, you know, taking a knee before halftime, playing for field goals like we saw at NC State, that conservative mentality. And that's what you were raised on, Matt. 
it ain't what I was raised on, and it's not good for East Carolina. Um, Logan, you go for it at East Carolina every time. You don't play at East Carolina. You don't coach at East Carolina with a weak heart. You go for it every time. Yeah, and, and I just think this is precisely the wrong system for East Carolina. Nothing personal, but um, I, I think it's time. You know, this is just my opinion. It doesn't make me right, um, but I, I try. I have to be honest, and, and I think it's it's time for a change. So if we uh, let me ask you guys a question: We've gone to two straight bowl years, correct? Or it's funny how everybody. I'm just going to say this. I'm not directing to the you guys. I'm just going to talk to a minute for a Pirate Nation. Uh, we talk about how we're a great fan base. We talk about we're the best. We're this that. But every time we turn around, when there's a loss, you you listen. I couldn't. I didn't even listen to the fifth quarter. I usually do. Dave, it's beyond no losing, man. It's beyond losing. This ain't this ain't about. I, let's go back to the beginning of the season. We we all gave our predicted records. I said six and six at best, four and eight at worst. I was prepared for a losing season. Losing seasons I can handle. They don't bother me that bad. Sometimes it's just how it is. Like right. Ruffins last year. This ain't about a losing season. This is about this is about historically we are historically when you look in the record books, we are historically bad on offense in year five. This ain't about losing a game or having a losing season. This is about being historically bad. We are a complete joke. So what you want to do, you want to get rid of Houston. He's had he's proven he can win here. He's, he's had proven two he bowl, can win. He's proven he 15, can win with other people's players. Fifteen wins in the last two years until this year. Fifteen. Uh, you look at the amount of players we have playing professional football off last year's team, we underachieved one in eight games. So you look at that. And so what I'm just saying is we talk about all the time we want, we're the best fan base, we'll do this, we'll do that. But if you have one bad season, you're going to kick you out. Let me ask you a question. What would you compare our fan base to? I th- normally I would I would like to no, think no, no, that no, we have a great you, fan base. What 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 but people generally quickly, say you quickly you turn like? you what quickly many, turn them. What do many people say on a fan base is like? Matt answered the question for me since Dave's not going to. What do you're I say? SEC. No, what, what SEC? SEC exactly. Right now, what's going to happen at an SEC school if somebody goes one and eleven? They're going to get their ass fired. So it ain't about that our fan base. It's because we do care. If, if we care that you give NIL years. money, we don't give NIL money. I talked to Hank Hinton on Tuesday afternoon, and people are not giving money. And guess what? This is the problem. Nobody's talking about it. It's NIL. That's people not the are, complete. Not well, then why here. is it Mike Houston addressing it? Why is it Mike Houston saying? He talked about it. He talked about it privately first. I didn't talk about it because there were people that had a private conversation with him. And then in public, he's talking about it. But if he talks about it now, then, of course, everybody's going to say, oh, he's just blaming it. He's blaming it. The bottom line is if our fan base wants a winning product, Mason Matt, Garcia we talked about there's two things. NIL, Mason Garcia was here before NIL was a thing. No, let's just hold on a second. Matt and I agree that he he talks all about – here. he and I have the winning combination. It's transfer portal and NIL. You put two of us together – and that is our solution to our problem right now. But as long as people say, I ain't paying no players money, well, guess what? No, We're going to well, be that's irrelevant. A, that's a systemic problem that needs to be addressed. We need to address NIL. But you, you can't go 1-11 in year five and keep your job. And, and, and if you think App State and Coastal Carolina and Old Dominion 
and, and all these schools at Marshall that have better records than we do. And and Charlotte, you think Charlotte, you know, I, I, all these schools have got more NIL money than we do. Rice, all but these schools the have more NIL money than we do. No, that's they the don't. Point. They don't. I know that's the point. The point is. You guys always talk That's about it. We're better than those programs. We're better than those programs. What? But, but the problem we're not, is we're, we're not, not giving right to them. Right, in the short term, but that's what I'm talking about. That's exactly mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. If we have right now, you said it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take your words. A couple years ago, when, when the NIL happened in July of 2021, um, you said it best in the transfer portal, and I'm going to give you credit for it. You talked about it. You said this could cut both uh, uh, one or two ways. It could cut where it helps us or hurts us, NIL, when we don't have it and we have a transfer portal, they're gone, man. They're gone. And the way that we the way that we keep these players, the way that we build a program, I'm telling you, is so between you think NIL the transfer portal and then one a, eleven. Or we're going we're going to well, uh, one and six. Looking one at the six. Matt and Matt Simmons and we talked about this. The, right, Matt just said he wants a new head coach. That's fine. That's fine. I mean you we can disagree on that. That's fine. I'm just telling you what the problem is. The problem is transfer portal. And I would also recommend you quit attacking the fan base. They're kind of our listener listener base. So that's probably something you want to stop. No, I'm just saying you uh, you ask. I'm not attacking the fan base. I am doing exactly what you do. I am simply telling the fan base, if you want to win, you got to get over yourself and give money to NIL. I'm not talking about that part. I'm talking That's about you saying our fan base wants to fire everybody, and we're not. Well, it's true. We have it's true. Well, it's the same way in any any school that cares about football. We do care. I well, care. What, about what do you think is going to happen? What do you think would happen at Carolina? If okay, they let's, won fire, one let's fire him. If they, they won what one you're going to do? Three, 2026, 20, 27. How, how many years do you want to wait? Because ne- what's going to happen I, is when a new right coach hire, comes in. If we make the right hire, if we a new coach long. comes in, they're going to say, "Oh, we got to have the new players, Dave." What happened is Mike Houston had these old players, and we didn't have enough players. So then we have to just buy off three, four more years, and by that point, nobody's going to care about East Carolina football anymore. So you anymore. think we're going to hire a new offensive coordinator? And we're going to fix it and have a winning season next year. If you you said it right, if we have the right hire for OC, yes, he, we could with the defensive use. He's going to be more limited hiring an OC than we would be hiring a head coach. I don't Nobody's think so. going to want to come here in the. But situation. wait a minute! On one point, you guys say that everybody wants to come here, so you got to coach. It's their program. They're starting new. If you come in as OC. Under in, in, in a in a lame duck situation, you don't know it's lame duck though. We could turn it around. You automatically you're just writing off. Very rarely. Does that what about uh, Willie Fritz? Willie Fritz had extenuating circumstances. He won two Willie games. Fritz. Willie Fritz had extenuating two and ten. Willie Fritz had extenuating circumstances the year he went two and ten. They had a hurricane come through. North I know what they, they did. This place. They were in Birmingham the entire season. Right. I remember it. Very I well. don't. Rem- I don't remember us being displaced. So, but you talk about not so, making excuses. So I'm just saying. Well, that's, here's, here's that, that, that's, that is one example. Give me another one. We are that's right off now. off the top of my head. We're possibly the worst team in FBS football right now. Thank you. Um, in year five, we are possibly the worst team. Listen, but, I'm going to say this again, guys. Biff Pogey, in three months, okay, that he from the time he was hired, he had a recruiting, a recruiting season of three months. He put together a defense that is – as good or better than anything we've had at East Carolina in 15 years. He did it in three months. Now, his offense sucks, but 
he was still smart enough to put together a game plan yesterday mm-hmm. to beat Mike Houston. Yep. Okay. He outcoached him. He outcoached him. All right. And he built a defense in three months. Okay. Without without having connections to North Carolina. And he just got there, right? He just got there. Didn't he, yeah, he just, yeah, he just got there. Yeah, three so you months. can turn it around quick with the transfer portal. Exactly. And there was no excuse to go into the season without a quarterback. Um, we did try was, for the we did try for we the tried after the fact after spring we ball tried for quarterback and, they, and we told the quarterback that they would be the backup. That's from Igo. That's from Stephen Igo. No, they said that they could not promise. Mike Houston said that what the people they were going after the the best quality ones they wanted to be promised the job. And and why would you promise anyone, no matter how good they are, if you're a coach? You're going to bring him in, and you t- and he was. Well, if they're proving nothing. commodities, then I then what you tell them is your job to lose. It's your job to lose. But they did not evaluate the talent quarterback, the talent quarterback they had very well. And James so, says and that Southern Miss is the worst team. Well, it's 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 it's, 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 it's a, you know what? Well, if you want that title, we'll, we'll take number one thirty-two, James. You can be one thirty-three. So congratulations, you win. Um, I uh, no, it's. It's, it, it's bad. It, it's, and another thing, and another thing too, when you look at a situation and it's clear to me, it's the nose on my face, that the reason we're in this situation is because Houston didn't think he'd be here next year. He did not develop and recruit talent for year five because he didn't think he'd be here. And to me, when you do that out of arrogance, I'm sorry, but people want to talk about loyalty. There ain't no loyalty with him. He'd be gone on the first train out of here, the first big offer he got. Barry Kearney says, the sports objective not on his own. He will be fired as a scapegoat because he can't afford to fire the one who's giving him orders. They'll use the old return to spend more time with the family. Talk about Dunny, Kirkpatrick, he won't have a choice. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I don't we'll keep, we'll keep I, Houston for one more year. I don't think so. Not if we go 1-11. I think we'll keep him for one more year. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll you know bet? You know bet? Sure. What do you want? <laughs> if we go one and eleven, hundred dollar bet. You just make the simple hundred dollars. No, I'm not going to do one and eleven. He's I mean, gone. If we go well, one and eleven, he's gone. He is gone. Thank if you. We go I bet you twenty bucks. I can get you gambling before the end of the day. I'll take that bet. <laughs> I um, guys, we have we have players openly. You know, here here's the other thing you got to think about too. With this portal the way it is, and 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 this type of offense. In addition to having to overhaul a large part of the roster, who the hell have, wants to come play in it? You're, you're going to have players hitting the portal. You know, we have a one of our better defensive players right now. His father, you know, all but said um, yep. they are they are about to hit the portal at the end of the year. So this is a bad situation. Um, you know, and, and I don't, and I'll tell you, it's not going to get any better this week because UTSA is going to stir uh, curb stomp ECU. I hate to say it. I hate to say it, but then why don't we forfeit the rest of the year? Let's just forfeit the rest. Five more games. Let's just say we're, we're definitely going to be running one and well, eleven. Why don't we call better plays for the rest of the year? Why I don't agree. We I agree with that. Coaching perspective because I agree with that. you. All right. I've been fussing about that for. Well, Matt's just stating the fact that he thinks we're going to we're going to get curve stop. Look, they held Florida Atlantic to ten points. Florida Atlantic just put up around fifty points on South Florida the week before. So, do you, what do you think is going to happen when we go to San Antonio? 
Do you think magically we're going to wave a magic wand and somehow be able to score points? No, we're probably going to get shut out of San Antonio next weekend. We shall see. You going to sure. put a bet on that one if we're sure. going to beat It could happen. Uh, you know, we're, we're good enough defensively that, yeah, I mean. I just don't go in there and, yes, it's a very difficult game because um, Elliot's asking, why am I taking up for Houston? Well, because I don't want our fan base to continue every time we have a losing season. To It wasn't our on. fan base that wanted rough and fired. It was a bunch of assholes that have a lot of money and Jeff Comfer that wanted rough and fired. It wasn't our fan base. The fan base didn't want rough and fired. And this is not comparable to rough and McNeil or Steve Logan for that matter. It wasn't our fan base that wanted rough and fired. It was a bunch of assholes. It was a handful of assholes and led by the biggest us. asshole of all Jeff Comfer that wanted rough and fired. And guys, just to the listeners right now, guys, feel free to call in. You know, Chuck, Elliot, you know, James, all the names I see here. Guys, call in. You know, we're happy to hear your opinions. Um, And Elliot says, uh, Coach Houston can overrule Donnie. Why doesn't he? And I'm sure at times he has. But I think by and large, my guess would be that, you know, Coach Kirkpatrick is is calling – by and large, he's operating within Coach Houston's boundaries as far as the offensive schematic standpoint. Offensive, let me offensive, let me let me really let, let me simplify what let me really simplify what's happened here. Dude, this is really simple. Coach Houston was at James Madison. James Madison at the time was was the Alabama of the FCS. Anybody could win at James Madison. Okay, Everett Withers won there. He didn't get fired. He left on his own to take a head coach job at the FBS level at Texas State. This is what they did at JMU you, at the FCS level. You cannot do that here. We can't. The only reason it worked the last couple of years was because we had Holton Aylers and because we had Keaton Mitchell. And you had two elite talents that were not, Holton was not appreciated. You know, you talk about somebody that is under an apology. Agreed. Good Lord. I mean, uh, I think Holton succeeded despite what we had on offense. So what, what, what Houston's trying to do is what he did at JMU when they were at the FCS level. And it ain't going to work here at the FBS level. we got to be more creative on offense. And, and I, at this point in the season, you know, there's a lot of people that want Donnie fired now. And, you know, you promote Shane Montgomery to OC. I'm assuming that's who you would promote to OC. Uh, you know, I, I'd fine if you want to do it, but I don't think it's going to make a difference. I, I don't. I don't think it's going to matter uh, because we're t- we, it, this season is is too far gone. It's just we're not at game three or four. We're at game seven. Excuse me, game eight. And, you know, let me just say, Dave, I mean, Dave, you know, I appreciate your opinion on this. I mean, listen, I'm I'm glad somebody on out of the four of us has a different opinion, um, you know, because then I can hear you and Kyle argue with each other, especially. But uh, – Listen, I listen. You have your opinion. You feel very strong about it. Um, you know, hey, that's that's okay. That's okay. But you know, I just, from my perspective, I just see there's too many question marks for me um, at this point in time. And you know, I and the other thing I want to say is I want to be very respectful to Donnie Kirkpatrick because Donnie's a good dude, and he's been he, here a long time. Two different, you know. 
That's right, Kyle. He, three, he is three a, different coaches. He is a he's, he is a really good dude. Um, he has done really really good things at East Carolina throughout. You know, many different coaches. Um, listen, sometimes things just aren't working out, and it's time for a change. This happens in the business world every day. You know, I'm a right. sales manager at work. Sometimes salespeople need a change of scenery. Sometimes sometimes things just don't work out. And I think that's where it's at for Donnie right now. You know, he's had a great career. He's done really great things for ECU, nothing but respect. But right now it's not working. It's just not working. These things happen. It does, yeah. you, know, um, you know, I just think the philosophy, it's time for a change. Well, to me, be- to me, the Donnie Kirkpatrick thing is not even worth discussing because without a doubt, he's going to be gone at the end of the year. There, there's, there's, that's not even debatable or questionable. To me, the Donnie Kirkpatrick thing is not even worth discussing. It's a moot point. He's gone whether Houston's here or not. Right, I think, but that's what I'm saying is I, I think what's going to happen is you'll see Houston will will just tell Donnie, hey, retire. They'll get somebody in here. They're going to give him, I, I say this, if they have one more year, if you don't see a change next year, then absolutely. But I don't think you, um, I don't, because I'm a person, I'm not delusional where I'm trying to defend the guy like everything is great. I am definitely one, like one in six. I'm angry as hell. I'm pissed off. I'm frustrated like everybody else. But I don't think, but it, but having said that, when you step back and you start thinking about this program and having to wait to win, or can we have an offensive coordinator can come in, uh, somebody come in and to have a different philosophy. Let me ask you a question, Dave. Okay. What if he gets worse season goes? We're one in eleven. We're one in six right now. And then let's say we finish one in eleven, and it goes from where we're losing cl- close games, relatively speaking, to we're getting blown out week after week. I- at what point do you say that's enough? It does. I don't care how much he's owed. I don't care what he's done previously. By the way, he's had this will be three losing seasons out of five years. So at what point, um, you, you, let, let's say we get shut out the next two weeks. I'm just speaking hypothetically. At, at, at what point do you say, all right, that is enough. The, we, there is no salvaging this. We need to start over. I mean, I was angry a few weeks ago to the point of where I was just like, like you guys, like, hey, I want him out of here, I think. But, um, but when you start, you have to really step back and take the anger out of it, take the emotion out of it. Like we said, it's a business I- deal. And I, I don't I'm not see thinking the, about it completely from an emotional standpoint. I'm thinking about it from a standpoint that he can't evaluate offensive talent. If you've had a quarterback here, and it's not just a quarterback. Look at our receivers. Our receivers cannot get open downfield. They cannot catch the ball half the time. I, I, I don't understand. And, and I had talked to Bubba about this quite a few times that I didn't think we were this – is, this is why we were winning. People always talked about, we haven't played Mason. I said, damn, Mason – why are we playing more receivers? Uh, why are we playing the same receivers every day? I agree with that. And, and we weren't getting. And then I also had talked to Bubba about we weren't bringing enough receivers in through high school recruiting. And by the way, go look at I. I, I just put out an article about how many high school receivers are no longer on the team that we that we recruited, and now they're not here because they didn't evaluate the talent worth shit. So that's to me. I am looking at it from big picture. It's not just emotion. I am very concerned about this staff's ability to evaluate offensive talent at this level. I don't think they're very good at it. Well, they're, they're, I mean, the, the offensive line is a That's number one. You know, you see, let's just take a look at, at teams 
that have less resources than we do in the area. Uh, I think, you know, app ODU, you sure. know, I know, I know, I know Liberty has a ton of money. Yeah. That but, one's fun, but, yeah. But, but in some ways think about it like this though, they're, they're not in as good a conference as we are. They haven't had the TV exposure that we have. Sure. So in some ways, you know, it makes sense. Um, how about JMU? These guys came up from FCS, what, three years ago? And they just keep rolling, rolling, rolling. JMU would give us a woodshed beating. Yep. And they did the last time we played. So I see teams doing more with less. There's no way our offensive line should be this bad. Now, did we get hit with portal uh, uh, defections? We lost we two offensive linemen to the portal. We, we did. You know, and those were big losses. But, two you know, big corners. it giveth and it taketh. So you can hit the portal back. And, yep. I, I, like, like, listen, I'm taking no less than five portal linemen this offseason. Um, every starting job is up for grabs. I don't care who you are. Um, it's going to come down to the best player. And I'm bringing in as many as I can. And the one, I think, Dave, I think the one area where you and I disagree is that I believe you can turn around a roster very fast in this day and age because of the portal. And I don't think you have to wait. I think if you have the right scheme, I think if you have the right plan, um, and you can you can attract players from the portal, you can turn it around quick. Well, you can bring your players here. We'll use Kerwin Bell, for example, the head coach at Western Carolina, won a national championship at Valdosta State, um, has has made Western Carolina one of the worst FCS programs out there into a contender, and they have one of the best offenses in the FCS. Now, Clip Rock pointed out when I mentioned uh, Kerwin Bell in the air yesterday, what I hate to tell Kyle, but Western Carolina lost to Furman. Well, Furman's a top five team in the FCS. Exactly. So you, you, don't, you need to follow FCS football a little bit more, folks. So the loss to Furman was essentially like losing to, to um, Florida State, uh, for example, uh, or, or Ohio State or Michigan at this level. So Western, so Kerwin Bell, there's, there, there's a guy who, who has a high-flying offense, who's won a national championship. So let's, let's, let's just say in pretend world we hire Kerwin Bell. He would probably bring his quarterback from Western Carolina and a few receivers and offensive linemen with him. Um, same with Rich Rod from Jacksonville State. Let's say you hire Rich Rod. Well, he would probably bring quite a few players with him. And that is one situation where Mason Garcia may actually succeed. Look at would that. be under Rich Rodriguez. James just put that up there. You got Gar- Garcia and Harris in a spread option. Like Rich Rod, he, su- he succeeds big time. Yeah, I, I, I think that would be the one situation where Garcia could be successful. We, you bring in somebody like Rich Rodriguez, and we all know Rich Rod. Look, he, he won big at West Virginia. He won big at Arizona. He got fired at Arizona for some little scandal. was nothing that big. Um, and now he's doing a hell of a job at, Jan- at Jacksonville State, which, you know, just moved up from FCS their first year at FBS, and they're six and two. Six and two their first year at FBS. So I'm just saying there's options out there. It, 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 it doesn't have to be a five year project if we make a change to hit coach. And look, quite quite frankly, I hope Mike Houston finds a way. three and nine to me is the threshold. To me, three and nine with offensive improvement as the season goes on. I'll say, all right, give him one more year. But then I still won't be very optimistic about him succeeding. But I'll say he earned it because that means we, you know, show significant improvement down the stretch here. But I just don't see that happening. 
Yeah, because without significant offensive improvement, we're not going to win two games. Exactly. Because even though even though Navy is pretty bad offensively, we saw last year the type of defense they play under Brian Newberry, and that was with a, a pretty good Pirate offense. Uh, and I mean, I, obviously there are things about that game that are debatable, for sure. But uh, but yeah. Uh, there's no reason to think we're going to uh no there's the only many many points uh, in that game or any other game at this point uh, the only game I see on our schedule left that I think we may have a realistic chance to win and it's Tulsa uh, because Tulsa seems to be going backwards as the season goes and it's senior day um and so that's the only one I really see an op- a, a a realistic chance of winning I mean uh, without some kind of major offensive improvement and you know, the only way I, – I just don't see that happening because you can't shit offensive – you can change the play calling all you want. You can't shit offensive linemen and receivers. So even if you even if Raheem Jeter comes in and looks great, you know, we still got problems at receivers and, and on the O-line. And the thing is, yesterday we won the turnover battle um, two, to, uh, two to nothing. Uh, you know, we didn't – we didn't uh, commit a turnover and we had the muff punt and then – Obviously, the uh, the pick by Julius Wood, where I was, I was just hoping that he was going to be able to take that to the house, so we didn't have to score. You mean rely on the offense to score? Yeah, no, right. I, yeah, that... yeah, yeah. I, I, it's a shame that you, you, you almost, you're like, oh God, he only got it to the fifteen. It's a shame that that's what you think, but that's what you think because we just can't execute. You know, we had a touchdown pass there. Ed Garcia missed missed Jalen Johnson on a rollout that would have that would have been a touchdown, it, it, you know. So, and then you doink the field goal. So, it's, me, it's, it's it's a comedy of errors. Let me let me it is it's a comedy. Let me ask you guys this now: Would you guys all agree that Charlotte had a very competitive defense on the field yesterday? Oh, excellent, excellent front seven. Okay, they've also played good against. You know some some teams like Maryland. They took Florida pretty late into the fourth quarter, um, so they put together a solid defense. Now, ninety percent of those guys they brought in, like I said earlier, in three months. I'm curious to know how much NIL money it took to bring those guys in. I, I would love to know that because, and the point I'm trying to make here is that it can be done. It can be done quickly, yeah. and you know. I, of course, does it help to have a ton of NIL money? Of course it does. But you can be successful in the portal just by going out and recruiting the old-fashioned way. Um, so just a point I wanted to make. I, I don't know if you guys know how much NIL money they've spent. No, no, I, I don't have a clue. You know, maybe uh, – Can't be much. No, Charlotte doesn't have a big fan base. Um, so it would have to have been one major donor. But you look at a situation like Isaiah Winstead last year from Toledo. That wasn't because of some big NIL deal. He wanted to get closer to home, and he wanted more exposure to improve his chances of playing in the league. Um, so there, there are ways to go about getting players out of that portal. It, NIL definitely helps, and I, you know, I am all for the more NIL money, the better. And I would encourage everybody to join Team Boneyard, no matter who the head coach is. And, all right, um, we got Chuck. Chuck on the line. Let's see if we can get uh, Chuck on there. Hey, Chuck, can you hear us? Yes, can you hear me? Oh, yeah, we got you. What's up, Chuck? Okay. Hey, what's up? Uh, I tweeted uh, Matt yesterday. I don't know if if you got the tweet. I think you did. Uh, 
can you imagine the teams that you played on in the mid nineties, what they would do to <laughs> this team right here in the, I think you commented total destruction. Uh, that, that's just a comment, obviously, but, uh, uh, one thing I keep here reading on like Boneyard Banner and some of the other websites, uh, that if we wait until December, I think right at the end of December to fire coach Houston, we can save ourselves 1.4 million. Is that true? Uh, if we wait till know. the end of December, we can save 1.4 million. Um, I don't see how that would be. I would have to see his contract. But is his contract I, yeah. meaning the end of December is another year? Is that what that means? I still don't. I, I still yeah. see the year still. The year still exists. I, I don't. I don't know how that would work, Chuck. Did anybody explain that? It was on. Um, actually, it was on the. Uh, I think on the two four ECU two four seven website that hoist, uh, hoist I go Yeah, hoist colors. Yeah, hoist colors. And uh, if let's say that used coach Houston comes back next year. How many games does he have to win next year? Because next year on our schedule, we don't even play any FBS teams next year. It's power five team. Correct. You're right. We don't play any power five. I, I think, I, I think if you don't fire him after one and 11, I really think then the bar has been lowered. So I think six games probably keeps his job next year. Yeah, six. At the end of the day, what do you think will happen at the end of the season? Do you think that he stays or goes? Does Donnie leave? Does he's the offensive- gone. Yeah, he's gone. Donnie, Donnie's gone, period. Um, yeah, he's gone. If we, we can go all agree one, on if that. If we go 1-11, and 11, I, me, Matt, and Bubba, all three think Houston's gone if we go 1-11. and 11. I don't think they're going to have any other choice. Dave thinks he's going to stay. For one um, more year. If he doesn't. What I'm saying is, we don't. If we don't, um, in other words, Donnie's definitely gone. We, we, all four of us can agree on that. I think they give uh, give Houston one more year, and if he has another bad year, then yes, I'll be the first one to say yes, he goes absolutely. Yeah, and I say one in eleven, he's done. So I think it's uh, Chuck. Chuck, to answer your question on Mike Houston, I think it's still to be determined. I think it depends on how the rest of the season plays out. But um, one in eleven, the majority of people seem to think will want him fired. Oh, he's one in eleven. He he's gone. Gone. Yeah, he's, he can't he's overcome that. Him. I don't think Chuck, because uh, I think I think I think that the the fan base will just tune out. Uh, I think ticket sales will go in the in the uh, the crapper. In the in the I was gonna say in the shitter, but. Kyle, thank you. Uh, you saved me there. Uh, <laughs> but, no, I didn't. Uh, you still said it. <laughs> I said it anyway. You know, but uh, yeah, I just don't see how you could survive that. Just one one thing that uh, I don't know if you I, I tuned in late about a half an hour ago, but the other thing, the economic impact on Greenville. Uh, you know, if you don't have fans coming to Greenville from like where I'm at in Charlotte and Greenville, right. that the yep. restaurant. Lose a lot of money. It's a two million. Yeah, Chuck. It's a two million dollar impact per game, per home game. Mm-hmm. I do know that two million dollars. So, so let me ask you a question. You're in the Charlotte area. Yes, I'm in if Charlotte. We go, if yes. we go one and eleven this year, and we keep Mike Houston, would, will you buy season tickets next year? Uh, hell no, <laughs> no. I, there I you yeah. There you go. So there, there's. Now, I would go to the. I would definitely go to the the, the Charlotte to see the Pirates play, though. Yeah, 
it's, it's, it's a short drive. It's a short drive. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's about six miles away. Yeah. So th- th- there you go. And, and I think that's going to be the sentiment for most people. That's why I think he can't survive one in 11. And I hope that does look. I, I I was one of the people pushing for Mike Houston to get the job. And so I hope he I hope he proves me to be right and he turns it around before the season's over. I'm not a double downer. I'm not a I, you know, like the Scotty Montgomery people that couldn't admit he was a bad coach. That ain't me. Right. I'm the other way around. If I endorse you and then you disappoint me, I'm more pissed off than ever at you. So mm-hmm. um I'm not a double downer. And uh, so I, I, it'd be interesting to see, Chuck, um, how many other people share your sentiment that if he stays after 1-11, they won't buy season tickets. And what I would encourage everybody to do, um, let your thoughts be known, not not to the people on the Sports Objective, not to the people on Pirate Radio, not to the people on 94.3, uh, to John Gilbert, to Ryan Robinson. That's the people. I would encourage everybody in Pirate Nation to let your feelings be known um, to the people in charge. And um, what, question. what about the offensive line coach? Do we get, you know, do we give him his walking papers? The, so, uh, the, 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 I'll jump the, the UNT job. So, and I'll hang up and listen. All right. Thank yeah, you, Chuck. Uh, appreciate you from Charlotte. Yeah, appreciate that, Chuck. Um, just to jump in on the offensive line coach, I, I've talked to um, a prominent coach in the NFL recently who has great things to say about our offensive line coach. Um, somebody that I trust. Um, I've heard really good things. Somebody in, that might want our head coaching job. That's possible someday. Um, I've heard good things in coaching circles about him. I think that he, uh, he was hired, you know, somewhat late in the process last year, Chuck. Um, I think that, you know, he, was probably surprised at how deficient his room was Yep. when he got here. Um, he's probably pulling his hair out right now. So I would, I would definitely give him uh, some time considering he's only been here for, you know, what, seven or eight months in Greenville. Yeah. Um, based on what I've heard from people I trust, he is supposed to be a very good coach. Um, now, has it looked pretty? No, it's looked terrible. Um, but I, 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 I'm, I'm, willing to, I'm willing to give that some time. I'm well, my, my thing with that is, Matt, um, and in that situation, you're obviously talking about if Houston is retained. My thing with that is I, it's going to it's also going to be determined on who the OC is. Um, you know, your, your, your blocking scheme, he uses a lot of zone blocking techniques. And your blocking scheme, yeah, as you know, you, you played the game at the Division One level. Uh, you know, it, it, the OC is going to have a lot to say on who that O line coach is going to be because the offense he's going to run. So, I, I think I think if Houston stays, whether the O line coach stays or not, is going to be determined on who the OC is and if he wants to bring in his own O line coach. So, whether he's the problem or not, even if Houston stays, he still might not be here just because the OC hire. Very true. That's that is a totally fair point. Uh, here's another question. Uh, love Monica, and we'll put her up on the screen. She's asking, "Is it strength and conditioning? We're getting pushed around yeah. and look weak." Matt, you talk about that. You you talked to me about that. Monica, um, I was great. thinking the same thing yesterday. Monica, sorry, um, Matt. No, no, not at all, Dave. I, I mean, Monica, it's a great point, and it's funny you mentioned that because um, that's something I've been talking about 
recently, um, you know, especially on the O-line. You know, I think our defensive line looks strong. Yep. Um, especially in the front seven, I think they look they look pretty stout. But offensively, we we don't look strong up front. We're getting pushed around. We're getting pushed back. The pocket's collapsing. Um, we're not holding our ground. We we can't get any movement on people. Hurts our so, quarterbacks and running game. Oh, I mean, there were times yesterday where we did, we barely were able to hand the ball off. And yeah. The running back or quarterback is getting blown up in the back yeah. in the backfield, and that for that because of two reasons. Number one, we're very predictable in what we do offensively. People can see it coming from a mile away. And run, number two, pass. And, and number two, we're not blocking up front. And, and so Monica nails it. I think that's a great point. Well, let me ask you a question about that, though, Matt. Do you think our defense looks well conditioned? Um, I think our defense has faded in the fourth quarter. Good point. But they're on the field a lot. But they're on the field a right. And, and That's the and, biggest problem. And the thing is, too, like, you got you got to remember, like, these guys are only human. I don't mean that you personally, but these guys are only human. When they're right. breaking their ass for three quarters and they see that the offense can't manage anything, it takes a toll mentally. You know, it's a mental game out there as well as it is physical and so I think they sometimes wear down in the fourth quarter. I guess what I, my question was, was what I was alluding to. It's the same strength and conditioning coach for both sides of the ball. So if we be, if we were poorly conditioned in one area, we should, in theory, be poorly conditioned in all area. Now, is there an aspect to, to training um, for strength and conditioning that maybe um, we don't know how to properly train offensive linemen and other offensive skill position players? Uh, strength and conditioning wise versus on defense because obviously they're getting the same conditioning. Well, there is that, yeah, and I think that's a great question. And there is a difference, there is a significant difference. If you look at the body types of our defensive linemen, a lot of guys who are 6'1, you know, some 6'2, wide chest, shorter arms, guys that can probably bench press a ton, right? Strong. If you look at our body type on the offensive line, taller. Very long arm guys. Okay, usually those types of guys are not strong bench pressers because the distance. Th- this is probably getting a little too into it, but the no, distance you have to travel when you bench press when you're a long arm guy, that you have to travel from your chest to the to the to the peak of your lift, and a lot of times those guys aren't strong bench pressers just as a result of that. So, I think we have taller long arm guys that probably aren't very strong in the weight room on the offensive side of the ball. Now, when I say strong, you know, you see guys all over the country, 500-pound bench pressers, 475-pound bench pressers. I don't know what we have on that line from that perspective. I'm guessing we don't have anybody, you know, that's, that's you know, we might have a few guys that are maybe over 400. I, I'd, be, right. I'd really be curious to know. Yeah, that's just a good question. I, I'm, I'm, I don't know. Uh, I go may have some of those numbers, um, but it, it, it is it's a whole interesting thought process there with the strength and conditioning. Are we conditioning right for defense, but not right for offense? And I go back again to what you were saying about the offensive lineman. I think a little bit of this talent evaluation. To like I said before, to me, if you have that size and you're not being recruited to play in the SEC, you're probably not that good. And so uh, we'd probably be better off recruiting smaller, more athletic offensive linemen than uh, the kind of guys that Appalachian State are going after, for example. 
Well, and, and Matt, we've talked about, and, and, and uh, Kyle and Bubba, we've talked a lot about the transfer portal. Um, we're going to have to hit that. Juco, uh, I know that Axel, let's give a shout-out to Axel. Axel said that, talking about the portal and Juco. And Kyle, we've talked about that. You and I have talked about that, about uh, why aren't we going after Juco players when there's got to be some Juco players well, out there. Well, the junior college is, is, is greatly under-recruited, yeah. period, right now. So I, I think that would be something that we should look at because the portal, um, a lot of the Power five schools aren't going Juco very much anymore. Um, I'll tell you a school that's historically awful who's done a really good job recruiting the portal and recruiting Juco, and um, they certainly ain't got no money, and that's New Mexico State. But what they do have is a very experienced head coach and Jerry Keel and his offensive coordinator is a very successful Division three head coach uh, in Tim Beck, not the, not the Tim Beck that's at, that's at Coastal. That's a different Tim Beck. And um, so there's more than one way to skin a cat. Um, just, just getting back to it. And let's see. All right. Uh, Elliot asked if we fire Houston after the season, who would Kyle like to see to take the head coach job? Um, I, I have a list of, uh, you gotta, you gotta remember I'm being realistic and I'm thinking about finances when I'm with, with this list. Uh, Rich Rodriguez would be my first call. Um, he's making 800,000 at Jacksonville state. Kerwin Bells at Western Carolina. He's somebody Bubba's is really big on. I've researched him. He won a national championship at Valdosta. He's built Western into Western Carolina, an historically bad FCS program, into one of the best teams in the SOCON. Um, and he has one of the best offenses in the FCS. Um, uh, I mentioned it earlier, um, Kendall Bryles, who's the offensive coordinator at TCU, formerly offensive coordinator at Arkansas, son of Art Bryles. Kendall's a guy because of his last name who has trouble getting a head coaching job. Uh, even though Art Browse has been cleared of all wrongdoing at Baylor. And you would get Art Browse by proxy by getting Kendall Browse. Um, and uh, there are the others. Um, I, you know, I really need to, all of us probably, need to have those thoughts of who we'd like to see. But those are the guys that come to mind. Uh, and another guy, you know, this would be more of a um, taking a chance on a guy. But Garrett Riley, um, Things ain't working out at Clemson, and that has a lot to do with Dabo Sweeney not working the portal. Dabo has refused to work the portal. Yep. And, um, in fact, yeah. James just said that. It's yeah. funny y'all are on the same wave. Yeah, wave and, and, and I'm not looking at anything he's saying. I know. That's what's yeah. funny. So, so Garrett, Garrett Riley, so you, me and James have been friends since 2005. Um, Garrett Riley's a guy that, you know, um, if you want to take a chance on somebody, that name, that Riley name would excite everybody in Greenville. Um, I, would be I, I think yeah. Dave Doran might get fired this year at NC State. So Ruffin uh, would be out there. He may be willing to come back and coach on Riley's staff. You want to galvanize a fan base, um, you, 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 you put that together, um, you can really have a fan base excited. Um, so th- those Kyle, are what do you names. think about Sean Elliott? Sean Elliott's a guy that I like, but I think it would take too much money right now. Sean Elliott, 6-1 at, at um, Georgia State. He makes. He wanted the job. Yeah, he wanted the job when we hired Scotty Montgomery. In 2016. Uh, Sean, Sean, Sean Elliott. His contract is is up in twenty four Georgia State. Uh, Matt he makes nine hundred thousand a year. I think at the end of this year, if nobody else hires him away, he's going to get a big a big raise. They're six and one. They're probably going to win the Sun Belt. Um, so I the the thing with Sean Elliott is, I don't think that that is somebody. I, I think he's probably going to get bumped up to that one and a half million at at Georgia State after this year. So I, that's somebody that. Um, we would probably need to pay what we're paying Mike Houston to get 
So I don't know that we could hire him right now, but if we could, yeah, I'd definitely be interested in Sean Elliott. And, you know, so he obviously outstanding coach and just a, a, lot, a lot of time in North Carolina. He was at App State a very long time. Yep. And, you know, it's an interesting, you know, you bring up Garrett Riley. And obviously, like you said, things are not working out great at Clemson right now, but he knows East Carolina. All right. He knows that's the that system has worked here before. Yeah. It's worked yep. here before. Um, he he was a GA, wasn't he? He, he was a GA under, under, uh, he was a GA and he was also on, on rough last staff. He was outside yep. receivers coach. Yep. Yeah. He, he kind of, he was very young when he first got here. Like 20, um, five, yeah. 26. I believe so. And you know, way young. Yeah. Way young. But, but that, that is an intriguing, uh, mention just because he knows the recruiting grounds. He's been here. He's had success. So, you know, that's that's uh, something to keep an eye on right there. And James and it, has one of mine. And it could go from the dirt raid as it is at Clemson back to the air raid, but also with the emphasis on uh, running the football like Lincoln and Garrett uh, have progressively uh, done more and more. As you yeah. look at it, I'm not sure what the numbers are at USC, but during Lincoln's time in Norman, you know, they were – pretty much 50-50 and, and at times maybe even a little more run heavy, which uh, would probably surprise some people. Yeah, somebody, yeah you you know, you spread them out and you, you uh, pass the run as opposed to the run to pass. One more name I want to mention, and, and then I do want to say my first choice would be Rich Rod because I think we, we, we've never done that, the big name coaching re, retread in football. Um, and another name I want to mention who would be that is Scott Frost. Scott Frost Took UCF to an undefeated season, did great things at UCF, went to Nebraska, and it didn't work out. He's out of coaching for this year. Um, there's no doubt in my mind he would love to get back uh, to a head coaching job and what better place than back in the American where he had his most success. Yeah. So Scott Frost would be another guy that um, here's on my list of realistic candidates. And, guys, here's one, uh, a short list. You mentioned last time, Kyle. How about Bill Clark and James? That was one of yeah. my on my short list. That's it. Yeah, Bill Clark. Uh, yeah, and I and I didn't mention him on purpose, James, because I think you guys are going to go after him. But uh, Bill Clark <laughs> is a guy that um he he retired from UAB because of back problems. He has spinal fusion surgery, um, and from what I hear, he's 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 doing much better now. So he's going to be looking to get back into coaching. Um, he's always been in the deep south. He's never coached outside of Alabama, as a matter of fact, to my knowledge. Um. But in terms of an X's and O's standpoint, Bill Clark is excellent, and his players love him. And, you know, I love your uh, – Kyle, I'll give you credit. You've kind of sold me on Rich Rod a little bit. You know, he checks off multiple boxes. Experience, he's a proven winner. He's had success in multiple places. Yep. Arizona. Oddly enough, everywhere um, but Michigan. He's won everywhere yeah. he's been but Michigan. Right. Yeah, exactly. And – but – what we were talking about earlier about finding a coach that brings a unique style of offense. Yep. He also checks that box too. And he brings a, you know, a and national, he could win with Mason, a national name. That's, that was yeah. Big, yep. So, yeah. He brings a lot of you, you hire Rich Rodriguez. It's going to excite the fan base. Yeah, no doubt. Well, that's what I was saying is if we could get somebody like, if we can get somebody like Rich, I, I'm a huge fan. And I told you that Kyle, that you and I agreed about Arizona. Um, that situation was very strange, especially when um, he's a proven commodity and a great coach, and he was winning at Arizona. So 
that's what's crazy. It's not like a situation like Bobby Knight where you put up with his antics for many years. He stops. No, well, it was a situation where it was some allegations with the secretary, but it was really turned out to be mostly unfounded. And um, yep. so it's a shame he got fired for it. Um, but he's doing well at Jacksonville State. He's 60 years old. So he's not, you know, he, some people, you know, may be wondering about his age. He's 60. Uh, doesn't look 60. Um, looks, uh, doesn't look a day ever, doesn't look a day ever. Probably, he looks like he still did when he was at West Virginia, honestly. Yep. So um, he's a young 60. Um, but you, you also got to think we would be his last stop. That's um, what I was so going to say. Have, you wouldn't have to worry about somebody trying to poach him. Um, so he could be here I, like 10 years. He could be here exactly. like 10 years. And then at 70, if he retires, well, if we won a championship or two, then if he's, been ten, if he's here 10 years, baby, he's done, he's done something right. Yep. Now, I don't have a problem. That's a, that's a name that Kyle and I, Hey, uh, Matt, that's a name that, well, um, pretty much everybody on the list you have. So Matt. you're okay with firing Mike Houston? If we can get no, I'm, right. saying that, <laughs> I'm saying if he is fired, um, if he's fired, I don't have what choice to have. Yeah. Um, but those those names that you've mentioned, every one of them um, w- would be fine. I think we'll see. Did you did you mention at all? And I, I realize this is a long shot financially. Did you mention Dan Mullen? He's um, one of my the, Matt, no, Matt. I was going to mention him, but I thought Kyle said we don't have. I love Dan Mullen. I think he's fantastic, and uh, I would love to have Dan Mullen. I think he would be a great fit here. I really do. He's in my he's in my top five. I, I definitely think so. Well, here's the thing about Dan Mullen. Um, one, could we afford him? Two, right now in this, this situation. Two, a lot of people thought about how much he seemed to love Greenville. Maybe he was fishing for a job. Well, from what I understand, him and Mike Houston are pretty good friends. So I think that was more him trying to help Mike Houston recruit on national TV, putting us over and he putting Greenville and ECU over so much. But uh, if, if he's interested um, and we can afford him, hell yeah, Dan Mullen's a great coach. Um, I'm a huge fan. And he speaking did a great of job a at Mississippi coach. State. He did a great job at Mississippi State. I, you know, quarterback there was some, guy. Definitely a quarterback guy. And there were some questions at Florida about his recruiting towards the end. I think he was just kind of burnt out. He's been away from the game for a couple of years. And, uh, yeah, he's a guy from an X's and O's standpoint. Uh, Dan Mullins is as good as anybody on coaching offense and developing quarterbacks. That's something that both Rich Ride, the one thing I can say is that Dan Mullen is my – if we could get uh, Dan Mullen uh, or Rich Ride, those two uh, off the top of my – I mean, those would be two that I really like. And uh, obviously Bill Clark uh, – I'm the Garrett Riley one was one I thought about because Clemson is um, not uh, – they're going to have to do the transfer portal, which I know is going to kill Dabo Sweeney, but they don't have much of a choice. Uh, he's being stubborn about that, and that's come to bite him. Another uh, guy, was, again, it would be an afford thing. Um, Western Kentucky's head coach has been there for about five he's years He's really good. Now, and he, he never quite wins enough to get that power five job. So I think he would be open to leaving Western Kentucky to come to East Carolina. But again, that's going to be, you know, we can pay him more than Western, but uh, if we're if we're buying out Houston, how much more than Western? I think I think if we're firing Houston, one point five is going to be about the max we can pay a head coach. We can get Rich Rod for that, oddly enough, but I don't know that we can get Western and Kentucky's head coach for that. Um, I'd have to see what he makes. What about Dan Mullen? Do you think he would be more in the two million dollar range? You know, I don't know. He, he, he depends on how bad he wants to get back into coaching. Who else is offering? Um. It, it, 
$1.5 million for a guy who's out of coaching. He's not making that working for ESPN. And um, he's got money. It's not like yeah, he doesn't yeah. have money. So Tons in, of money. Yeah, so yeah. He, he, he may be willing. Also, you know, you know, hey, look, when these three years are up, Dan, um, if you're winning, you're going to get a significant raise. So. You know, and the one you mentioned that's really another one. I mean, first of all, credit. I mean, you put together a very good list there. Scott Frost is very intriguing. I loved what he did offensively at UCF. Now, things didn't work out at Nebraska. Nebraska is a tough place to win right now. Um, you can't recruit. It's hard to recruit speed there, and you need speed for his offense. Correct. And uh, But, you know, he, so he's a guy that you could probably get on the cheap, relatively speaking. He's going to want to get back. And the thing I like about when you bring a guy like that, Scott Frost, it, he feels like he has a lot to prove. Mm-hmm. All right. He's he's going to be hungry to win wherever he goes because of what happened in Nebraska. You know, and, and sometimes, like, when you have a guy that has a lot to prove and is hungry, that can go a long, long way. Versus, like, you know, you think about, like, Mullen. Does he have anything left to prove? I think Either, so. I think so. Maybe. I, maybe not. Right. I think you know what you know, we're you are right about Scott Frost. He would definitely want to redeem himself, and uh, and he's yeah, won he, big time in the American. Right. Exactly. So that's why I think he would he would be a good fit. Um, I think potentially. Um, I still go back if you ask me if I could have any of them, it would probably be Rich Rod. Probably my coaching candidate list in order. I probably be Rich Rod number one. And then my number two, I, I'd have to really think about it. But Rich Rod would be my number one as we sit here tonight. I would say one A and one B would be Rich Rod and Dan Mullen. Uh, Bill Clark. Kend- Kendall Bryles might would be my number two, actually. I like the Garrett Riley and Scott Frost. I hadn't thought about. I did think about Garrett Riley. I take that back. I did not think about. That's a great one, Kyle. I'll, I'll give you credit on the Scott Frost. That's, uh, that's one that he he's a winner. And that Nebraska job is, uh, I mean, he's a local guy. I mean, he's uh, hes one of theirs. But that Nebraska job is a really difficult job. And, Matt, uh, you know, when uh, we were growing up, you're closer in age. I know that Kyle and Bubba know the success in Nebraska. But that fan base is is so stuck in the past. I got an interesting idea. All right. But anyway, I was just going to say Scott Frost is a winner. And I, I know it didn't work out for him there. But he fits in very well at East Carolina. Another great one. So yeah, let, me throw this, let me throw this. Let me throw this out to y'all. If Mike Houston does stay, um, okay. There's there's a guy that's out of coaching right now, who um, you know I've been told he doesn't want to get back into coaching, but um, he, he used to score a lot of points everywhere he was, and there there's a there's a place over in Chapel Hill that I'm sure he'd love to get even with. Uh, what would you guys think if Houston stays, if, if he could somehow could convince Larry Fedora to come in as OC? Oh, my God. I'll, I, hey, I will tell you one thing. Larry Fedora is a great, great offensive mind. And, um, it, hey, whatever – this is what I say. Everybody's frustrated about the offense. Um, if we can get Larry Fedora, yeah, sign him right now. I He's have not no doing anything. He, right, he's I have no problem out of coaching. I just, just, you know, I wonder if he would come to BOC here. Um, I, it's just a thought that if Houston does win a couple more games and survives, uh, it's just, you know, that's a guy that Mike Houston could go because he's been a head coach at Southern Miss and at, and at, and at UNC where you could go, all right, 
I'm turning the keys to the offense completely over to you. I'm staying yep. out of it. You do what you want to do on that side of the ball. Um, so it's just an idea. I think that's something Houston should look at because, like I said, he's going to have trouble r- luring OCs away because of it being a potential lame duck job. Fedora is but Fedora is out of coaching. Fedora so. has a lot of energy, which is great. Uh, at least he did. Right? I mean, I don't know. I mean, anything's possible. Changing wise, we all get older and all, but. Uh, Fedora would be, I think Fedora, he knows the state of North Carolina. He has connections here. I mean, so uh, James is saying he's hearing he's done. Well, you know what, uh, James, I agree with you. You know, I didn't know about I, I just think it's, an, you know, the, that's interesting it's you bring that up, Kyle. Yeah, it's just one of those things where he may be done, may not want to be a head coach again. Where it, you, you may could Houston could give him a call and say, hey, you, you want to try being OC at East Carolina? God knows he knows us well. He knows okay. what we're capable of. So I just I think you give him a call if yeah. you're Mike Houston and Mike doesn't get fired. He's somebody that I would I I, I just you know I think that could be an interesting situation. You, you know who I'm gonna uh, and it's not a Duke UNC thing, but a, another guy that I love. He's not gonna do it. I love David Cutcliffe. I, uh, working oh, with quarterbacks. Happen, no, I know it's not gonna happen, but I love Fedora and Cutcliffe. So um, for me. Uh, if we could get David Cutcliffe to come in and work with our quarterbacks and BOC, that's that's dreaming. Uh, I think Fedora is um, more re- realistic. I think David is uh, – he's working with SCC. Coach Cutcliffe is uh, like a special advisor to the uh, commissioner. So I don't think that's going to happen. But um, those are guys, the kind of guys we need. I will say this, Kyle. If, if it uh, comes out like I think it will – Houston gets one more year. He's got uh, he's got to have a big name like that, right? The well, I don't think, I don't, I, no, I don't think it has to be a big name. Um, I, I think that would excite people. I just think he's going to have a tough time getting a sitting FBS offensive coordinator to come here. So he's going to have to hire from the FCS or think outside the box somebody that's had a coaching like Larry Fedora, and that's you know, and, and that's if he survives. Um, and I think that means he wins two more games. If he survives, and go. I'm hopefully he can do that. James is saying go after the Georgia Southern OC. Yeah, that's another good one, James. But would you leave Georgia Southern to come here, knowing that Houston's on the hot seat? Coach, coach, uh, coach. Um, oh God, what's his name? Um, he was head coach at USC. This at Georgia Southern now. Uh, his dad was a head coach. His brothers at Western Kentucky. I can't think. Can't think of his name. Somebody help me out here. I'm dying. The Georgia Southern coach. Yeah, James, Bubba and Matt are apparently AWOL right now. James I cannot Fox. think of it. I'm drawing a That's blank. I know, yeah. It, you, played, you played against Helton? his dad. The help? Not, not Helton. Helton. Yes, Helton. Yes, yeah, Helton. Coach Helton. Yes. Coach Helton. Why it. would you leave Coach Helton's staff, um, which is completely secure, Georgia Southern's 5-2, um, uh, you, you got a secure job to come here for maybe $100,000 more a year uh, to, to potentially be fired after a year? So, um, but yeah, he, he is somebody that if Houston could get him, I don't think Houston would ever run the air raid though. Um, and that's what, hey, that's, that's what look, man, but that's what I'm saying that, uh, we talk about the, and I've talked about it the early in the year. That was the part where I was like off the rails with Houston is stop being stubborn. And, you know, you got to say, Hey, Look in the mirror. If it's not working, then you've got to change what you're doing. So I, I think, I think if he stays, he will. But I don't think he'll go that extreme. I just don't see him. He'll have some wrinkles, not 
No, I think he'll go. I think he would be more likely to go for something like what, what what Matt is suggesting, suggesting something more creative, that, but is but is still run based. Um, but yeah, that, that, the OC at Georgia Southern is an excellent OC. There's no doubt about that. He'll he he probably won't be at Georgia Southern next year anyway. He'll probably get a Power Five uh, offensive coordinator job. I tell you, man, I'm I am warming up. Uh, the more I think about Scott Frost. That's a great one, Matt. Yeah, he went undefeated. It makes hey, a lot he went undefeated, I, baby. I, I would, I would still take Red Trot over Scott Frost. I, I would too, but here, you know, I'm I, just saying that. Yeah, what I good. keep coming back to with Frost is that 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 dude has a lot of pride. Yeah, he's hungry. He 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 is going to be hungry to coach somewhere, and he's just in his 40s still. And guess yeah, exactly. what? Exactly, he's still young. He's still Frost, young. Yeah, Frost is young, and and you you know, with our fan base. That uh, with the uh, recruiting, he could do great jobs with recruiting. I, I think he's a great recruiter. I really do. And I, well, don't tell the people in Nebraska that. Well, I know, but the problem with Nebraska is they're living. I mean, uh, Tom Osborne is not a coach anymore. No, I agree. I agree. Look, I, I suggested Scott Frost, so I'm not speaking against him. Uh, no, I'm, I'm a huge fan of. I'm a huge fan of that dude. I, I've really felt bad for him because I'm like, man, this fan base like that. They're a vic- I know that they. Well, he did have, have four straight. Fight. He did have four straight losing seasons. So. No, I know right. that. I'm not. I understand that. I'm just saying he wasn't. And no offense to him because he wasn't the right fit, even though he's a um, alumni. Alum. No, his his offense do, does not work right. there in 2023. Right. No, correct. So, Matt rolls the right fit there, and he'll get it. He'll he'll get it. He'll 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 get them as good as they can be. Um, let's put it like that. Yeah, but there's there's a. Uh, those are some good names, and um, I would be happy. I, I There's not a name on the list you've given that I would be, like, going, oh, my God, you know, like where it's a Montgomery situation, so I won't say that. Um, that was by far the worst hiring job in the history of our, no <laughs> doubt. No uh, doubt. Of our football program. And uh, I remember, Kyle, you and I were talking about that you heard when you heard about Montgomery, I was just like, Oh my God, I can't believe that we're going after. We didn't have the, the people that we, that comfort. Well, wanted. my initial thought was, why are we hiring the dude that won American Idol? Montgomery. Yeah. Scotty McQuarrie, Scotty Montgomery. Oh, I okay. didn't even know who he was. I honest to God, I, I didn't even know who he was. <laughs> I, I knew who he was, but I was I just said, like, I said, he has the no Scotty Montgomery. And then I realized he was the OC at Duke. And I said, well, you know, that's basically David Cutcliffe's UFC at Duke. He so Scott, he's just just a, just has the job. Um, you know, he doesn't really call the plays. So I, uh, anyway, that is what it is. That, that's that's, so that's ancient history. Yeah. yeah, thankfully. Um, all right, do you guys have anything? I know we're after ten o'clock Eastern here when we're doing this live. Do you guys have anything uh, before we go, Bubba? I don't know if Bubba's still with us, but uh, I wanted to make sure that if he is, he could give it be able to chime in matt do you have anything i think i feel like i've said it all tonight you know okay. um appreciate all the uh the comments Great feedback yeah we had a lot of we had a lot of viewers and listeners tonight a lot of great comments uh we have the best we do have the best uh listening listeners and viewers uh in the business and i appreciate them missed uh jr tonight I know Jr. couldn't make it, but uh, appreciate uh, all he does and a lot of our great people that couldn't make it tonight. Uh, Kyle, do you have anything before we go? No, nah, it's just going to be interesting to see how the rest of the season plays out. Um, 
Uh, I think Houston's fate is still too to be determined, depending on how the season plays out. Um, I I wish I had more optimism, more optimism than I do that uh, the offense can turn the corner at some point this year. But uh, I, I don't see it, and uh, so just uh, everybody keep your head up. And um, basketball season will be here before you know it, and uh, I think we're going to have our best basketball season in a long time. So. Look at where, uh, hey, the women's team is picked second. Last year they were picked dead last. We were picked the men's dead last. We're picked fifth, the highest we've uh, that we've been. So uh, congratulations. I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to it. In fact, by the way, Kyle, uh, you're going to be sitting with me down in the uh, the new the new seats are available, and uh, I got my seat assignments, and um, really excited about that. So we'll talk about that off air. But I hope that you and Jessica and uh, other folks can come and join me this season. It's going to be a lot of fun. And maybe Matt, if you're down, love to have you, bro, uh, down there. The seats are actually uh, a lot better than you know what we've had in the past. So looking forward to that. And uh, I think our buddy uh, Barry Kearney is going to be down there too, Kyle. That's good. I'm glad the uh, the shareback seats are there, and uh, hopefully everybody's happy if, with them. If and, you're uh, if you're a big guy like uh, all four of us, then these seats are a lot better than. And in fact, that we're near courtside is is awesome too. So we'll see how it all plays out. But uh, looking forward to that. You can get your tickets, by the way, before we let you go for basketball. One eight hundred dial ECU, or you can go to anytime at ecupirates.com. All right, our great pirate football playback brought to you by LNK Custom Homes. Appreciate Kevin KK Walker for. All that he does for the program. He's been the title sponsor for the last few years. Appreciate all he did as a pirate. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate you, Bubba and Kyle. We'll get out of here until next time. You've been watching and listening to Pirate Football Playback here on the Sports Objective. Good night, everybody. And as always, go Pirates. Touchdown with a cannon's blast. Get it on, get it all, get the wave going like a hurricane.